0: Welcome to the Grace Point Church podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. You know that old saying, money can't buy happiness? Well, I was um, looking it up for our message today. And I found these um, kind of variations on them, which I really love, and I wanted to to share them with you, maybe some of them you've heard before. Uh, One of them goes, money can't buy happiness, but it sure makes misery comfortable. Can't argue with that. Uh, How about this one? Money can't buy happiness, but you can cry in a Porsche. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, money can't buy happiness, but it can buy pizza, and that's just about the same thing. <laughs> whoever said money can't buy happiness just didn't know where to shop. And and this last one I, I, it really connected me. It said, whoever said money can't buy happiness is doing it wrong. And I believe that. And this is not just me telling you that I believe that, but there's actually been research done that shows that this is true, that there is an exception to the money-can't-buy-us-happiness rule, and that is that money can make us very happy, but only when we give it to other people. There was a study done a few years ago by a professor at Harvard Business School Uh, His name was Michael Norton, and he interviewed over 600 different people. And he asked them uh, questions to find out about their income levels, their spending habits, and how happy they were. And what he discovered was pretty amazing. He discovered that regardless of how much money a person made, if they chose to give to others rather than to spend it on themselves, that they were measurably happier. Now think about this. The person who's making $20,000 a year but is generous of himself with other people is happier than the guy that's making five times that much but spending it on himself. This is what he wrote in that report. He said, so if you think money can't buy happiness, you're not spending it right. You should stop thinking about which product to buy for yourself and try giving some of it to other people instead. See, it turns out that being selfless is actually benefiting of yourself. And it turns out that God, because he's God, he knew all of this way before Professor Norton did his study. And that's really not surprising. And today what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of the things that a guy named Paul, who was one of the leaders of the early church. Some of you who grew up in church, you may know him as the Apostle Paul. You might know him as St. Paul. But Paul was one of the people who wrote a lot of the manuscripts and letters that today make up what today we call the New Testament. But it was really just a guy, and he was writing, he was, and he was speaking, and, and it was recorded for us, and we get to, to see those, as those manuscripts have survived over the years, they're available to us to read through now. And so here's Paul, and Paul is, uh, he's in the city uh, called Ephesus, it's an ancient city, and he had actually gone there to start a church, to plant a new church. And while he was in Ephesus, um, he had been there for three years, and he was about to leave, he was about to move on. And he said to the people there, listen, I have been here with you now for three years. And I've done everything I can to take care of you. I've tried to nurture you along. And this entire time, I never asked a thing from you. While I was here, I've been working. I've been working on my own to make sure that not only was I taken care of, but the people who came with me to help plant this church, I made sure that they were all taken care of. Not just enough for me, but enough for others around me. And then he says this, and I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. And then he quotes something that Jesus said earlier on. He said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, many of us have heard this before. It's, best, it's more blessed to give than receive. And we, I think that right now, for a lot of us, especially if you grew up in church and you've heard this many, many times, you hear it and it kind of just goes right off the top of your head. It's better to be... It's more blessed to give than to receive. But think about for a moment what he says, what he's saying. He's saying receiving is a blessing. Now, we get that, right? People give you something, it's a blessing. You get excited, you're happy. Someone today just... Um, handed me a birthday card because it was my birthday a long, long time ago. And I got a birthday card and there was something really neat in it. And I was happy because I received. It's a cool thing to receive something. But listen to what Paul is saying. Receiving is a blessing, but giving is a bigger blessing. Yeah, receiving is great, but giving is a bigger blessing. Now, look, I know in practice, that's kind of a hard thing for us to accept. It's kind of hard for us to think about that. In fact, sometimes when we think about that, it, it, it might feel like, you know, we're going backwards. Like we're trying to get ahead, especially in the culture that we live in today. You know, we work hard to try to, to make ends meet and to, to get ahead and to do better for our children than we did for ourselves. And we think, if I start giving that away, then it's, it's moving me in the wrong direction. But see, there's a time. To to receive, I'm not saying that there isn't. There are times in our lives when we have needs, great needs, and maybe for you that time is right now. But what I want to talk about today, and really what we've been talking about through this entire series and that we're going to wrap up today, is this mindset that we should have of living a life of generosity. Because what we're going to see today, and what I hope that you're going to walk away with from today, is an understanding that a life of generosity is where we can truly live the life that God intended for us to live. So, over the last three weeks, we've kind of dove into uh, how important it is to, in, in the first week, we talked about to acknowledge that everything that we have comes from God. Not just our stuff, but our talent, our time, the breath that's in us, that keeps us going every day, all of that comes from God. We talked about some of the things that, that make managing our finances a challenge. In the first week, we said that there's, it has a lot to do with fear. It has a lot to do with fear of the future. It has a lot to do with fear of, of failure, of fear of other people seeing us not living up to our potential or not living up to what they think we're supposed to do. And society does its part in making us feel like we always have to have more and get more. In the second week, we said that that society is geared towards us having things that we can't afford and then penalizing us for borrowing the money to get it. And so we've learned and we talked about how important it is for us to, not that it's bad for us to have money and to have possessions, but what God doesn't want is for the money and those possessions to have us. That they shouldn't be the end, but it should be the means to an end. And so we talked about some specific ways and things that we could do. And if you weren't here for those weeks, uh, they're going to be online this week. And you can catch up on all the messages from this week. Uh, if you're watching us on Facebook, all of the messages are still there. So you can watch them uh, on Facebook. They're, they're all there. But one of the things that we talked about was the benefit of making space, making, in particular, financial space. And how for many people, where we do, what we do is we take our, the income that comes in and we push it right out to the margins. We spend everything that we've got and there's nothing left. And so when something unexpected comes up, we're scrambling. When something uh, that we didn't think was going to happen happens, we start to freak out. Right? Jeffrey talked about this last week. That if you, if you, um, if you uh, have savings and you have a car problem, you just have a car problem. But if you don't have any money, when you have a car problem, you have a car problem and a money problem. And that's not what God wants for us. God wants us to live where there's space, where there's margin, so that those problems don't come at us and end up becoming critical things in our lives. And so as we wrap up this series, what it all really logically comes to is this, is that the way that we get to the place where God wants us to be where he knows that we will live the best, the fullest life that we can live, is that when we are living a life of generosity, where we get to be a blessing to other people. Now, think for a moment. For a moment, just think. Do you ever remember a time when someone gave you something that you really, really needed at that time? Like, it just was unexpectedly there. I I remember when, um, when we first moved back here from, uh, from Florida, uh, because I was raised here, but we spent some time in Central Florida. And when I first moved back, uh, it was just a nightmare, because I don't know what you guys did while I was gone, but all of a sudden, housing prices were crazy, and there was a million people here. Uh, but it was, it was tough to move back into this market from a market where you could get a three-bedroom, two-bath house on a quarter acre for $70,000, now some of you who are watching us online you're thinking that's about right but for the people who are here in this room they're going what? You know that's not even a parking space in San Francisco. Right? right? So we we it was tough at the very beginning and and I remember this one time uh, there was this person who who owed my mother some money. And and it wasn't like a, you know, a gambling debt. I don't think. I hope my mom's not <laughs> running numbers. Um but but my mother lives in the Philippines, and so there was somebody who, who, had, who had borrowed money or something and, and had paid it back by sending me a check, payable to me, and so I was going to get it and then send it to my mom. And so the, the check comes in, and I cash it, and I ask my mom, what, do I, what does she want me to do with it? And she said, why don't you just keep it? Now, that's your mom, so you expect that from your mom. But I didn't expect it at the time that it came. And we certainly didn't expect it at this time where, I mean, when I'm talking like it came at the right time, it really came at the right time. And um, I, I, I didn't know how to express to her what that meant. And so I didn't get a chance to tell her until later on that summer when she came to visit. But what I can tell you is this. It was great to receive it. It really was. But to see the look on her face when I was telling her what it was able to do for us, I could tell that she was blessed more than she would have been if she had gotten that money. That it was a bigger blessing to the person who gave than it was to the person that received. And giving and being generous is absolutely life-changing. For many of us, in fact, I would wager that it's for all of us. We are where we are because somewhere along the line... Someone was generous to you. Someone offered you something, either their time or their money. It might have been that they gave you that first shot at that new job. Or it might have been somebody who who gave you the money just when you needed, just when it had to come in in time for whatever it is that you needed to do. Some, some of you had someone who offered you a place to stay or helped you with your homework or, or offered to babysit so that you could go on that job interview. You see, in those moments, the thing that that person was offering really wasn't that that big. It wasn't that big of a deal to them. But for you, it was life-changing. It was the thing that was the opportunity that you needed that was the springboard for everything that you've gotten in your life because of one person's generosity. And so not only is it an amazing gift for the receiver, But when we are surrounded by people who live this life of generosity, it becomes an amazing gift for the giver too. And so today I want to talk about, as we close out this series, I want to talk about living a lifestyle of generosity. And there are three big benefits that come from living a lifestyle of generosity. The first benefit of living a lifestyle of generosity is this. It transforms and grows me. Because at its core, giving and being generous isn't really about what you're giving. It's not about that. Generosity is always about your heart. And if you read through scripture, you'll see that the thing that God cares about most is your heart. It's the thing that he values the most. In fact, in everything that he does and with everything that he gives us, and everything that he works through in our lives, he has your heart in mind through all of that. Because what he knows is this, is that whatever has captured your heart is going to be the thing that will lead you through your life. And he doesn't want a brand new car to capture your heart. He doesn't want the promise of a new job to capture your heart. He doesn't want your bank account or your 401k to capture your heart. He wants him to capture your heart. And he has a goal for your heart. There is something that he wants to accomplish. In fact, Paul writes this, he says, as a command, as as an instruction, he says, imitate God. In other words, be like God, do like what God does. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Now, there are some things that I, I hope that as my children grow up, that they will imitate in me. But I'm not a perfect father, and so there are many, many things that I hope that when they grow up, well, they're already grown, but I hope that they're not imitating. They could get into a lot of trouble. But God is a perfect, perfect Heavenly Father. And Paul tells us, imitate Him in everything that we do, because we're His children. We're told to follow his example. And and if we think about what are the biggest traits, what are the biggest characteristics of God, what is it that, that when we think of God that really defines what God is, I think that the easiest answer, in fact, the answer that comes to our minds right away is that God is love. I mean, it makes sense. Scripture tells us that God is love. It specifically says that. It doesn't say that God loves only, but that he is the embodiment that... What love is, is who God is. And Jesus said that the two, when he was asked, what are the two greatest, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus answered and he said, love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and your strength and then love each other. That's what he said. So everything that is important to God is us. And when it came to the point where God was facing the option of living without you and me, He said, I will give whatever needs to be given. And so he gave the life of his son, the most important, precious thing that he had. He gave that out of his love for you and me. And so, of course, when we see this, when we think about this picture of God loving and God giving, you know, it's easy to see that there is a connection between love and God. In fact, there's a verse, and, and listen, you don't even have to be a Christian to know this verse. All you have to do is watch football because every other football player has this written somewhere or there's signs all over the football stadium. I know it's probably too early to talk about football right now, but listen, this is where you see it, <laughs> right? This verse, it's one of the most popular verses of the Bible, and it goes like this. For God, this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. Now, think about this. This is how God loved the world. This is how God expressed his love for the world. This is how God showed that he was a person who loves the world. What did he do? He gave. Because when you love someone, you give. Public service announcement, fellas. Friday is Valentine's Day. So if you want to have a peaceful life, make sure you do something by Thursday. When you love someone, what do you do? You give. It's natural in us and it is because that was God's example. And so we see this picture of Jesus on a cross making the ultimate sacrifice, the payment for us. And this is the picture of how much God loves us. And whenever we think about that, whenever we look at it, whenever we're reminded of it, it is a declaration from God for all time of how much he loved us. And if you don't hear anything else today, I want you to hear this one thing. Whether you're a Christian or not, whether this is your first time in church or your 101st or your 1,001st time, Whether you've just happened to stumble upon us on Facebook and you're watching this weird guy up there talking, however you are and wherever you are, I want you to leave with this one thing that God loves you. He loves you so much that He was willing to give the most important thing that He had for you. His love can't be measured. His love can't be exhausted. It doesn't run out. And the reason I think that it's hard for us to kind of really let this concept come in, into our hearts, and and let it be something that we live through is because we've loved people who've let us down. Right? There are people that we've loved and and they've left us. But God never will. There are people that we've loved and and, and they've, they've disappointed us but God never will. There are people who've stopped loving us, but God never will. And when Jesus gave his life on that cross, he was declaring forever how much God loves you. Now, that is the big idea of this verse, that that God loves us. But there's something else important in that that's kind of wrapped up in that. And that is that first part of the verse that This is how God loved the world. This is how God showed his love for the world. What did he do? He gave. He expressed his love by giving. To put it simply, God is a giver. If all that he did, if the only thing that he did was to give his son so that we would have a share in eternity, that would be enough. But he gives us life, he gives us breath, he he gives us his word, he gives us words to live by, he gives us instruction and every good thing that has come into our life has come from God. And the truth is that we're never more like God when we love than when we love and when we give. And when you look at the people, the lives of the people who have made the decision to call themselves followers of Jesus, who've made the decision to put their faith and trust in God, what you will see is that those lives are marked with love and generosity. Because you can't be a follower of Jesus if you don't love and if you're not generous. Paul wrote this, he says, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Listen to the process that he's talking about here. As we lean into imitating God, we start to reflect his glory. And when we follow his example of generosity, then what what Paul is saying here is that all the people that are around us will will be able to see God in us. You see, he's saying that when we imitate God, when when we are like God, when we express love and generosity like God does, it doesn't just help other people. But when we love others, when we give to others, that actually changes us. See, we're not just imitating him. We're We're not just mimicking what he does. We are actually slowly being transformed more and more like him. So living a life of generosity, it transforms and grows me. But the second thing that it does is it guides and protects me. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about that, about how accumulating money and and stuff can be a distraction from the things that are really important. And we even talked about some of the crazy things that people do when they're trying to get money, and especially when they're trying to get more money. And have you ever noticed that when you think about buying a new car, that all of a sudden, the new car that you want to buy, you see it everywhere? right? Or, or you want to get a red car, because I wanted to get a red car. And all of a sudden, everywhere I look, there's a red car. Because whatever it is that you prioritize, you focus on. And you start to see it wherever it is. Wherever it makes its appearance, you start to see it. And for us, especially in the culture that we live in, it's easy to prioritize the things that the world tells us that we're supposed to prioritize. It's easy for us to prioritize our careers or to prioritize our bank accounts or to prioritize getting that bigger house or that brand new car or the newest technology. But if that's what we prioritize, then that is what our focus is going to be on. And that's where Scripture tells us, and I think what we already all know, is that when that's what our focus is? That's where our heart is. I, I discovered this really interesting thing. I don't know if you guys uh, ha- remember this. There are probably some of you who've never actually seen one. But long, long time ago, if you wanted to get someplace that you'd never been before, you would use something called a map. <laughs> now, a map map is not an app. Map was a piece of paper. And I think I had one about this size. And it folds really fancy, and then it goes in your glove compartment. And if, if you have a father like I had, you better fold it the right way. Because uh, if you fold it wrong, you'll be in trouble. But before GPS, before the technology existed, before MapQuest, you remember MapQuest? Seven pages, turn here, go there. Right? Before all of that existed, people would get from one place to another... Right? they plan out the, the the destination by using a map. Now, this is a, a driving map of the United States, and it was the best one that I could find. And even standing here, I can't read it, so if you can't read it, that's the reason why. Right? <clears throat> but in all modern maps, one of the things that you will notice is that somewhere on that map, there's a compass except on this map, because, of course, the one that I use an example is not going to have the thing I'm talking about, right? That On this map, but on most maps, most modern maps, there's a compass, and north is always at the top, right? North is always at the top. Well, what I discovered was, was that in ancient maps, north wasn't at the top. You know what was at the top? It was east, so here's a map that was drawn in 1506 by a uh, well. He was a, a, a European, I think the Netherlands or, or Germany somewhere. But he drew this map of Southeast Asia, and in this map, the top part of the map isn't north. It's not heading north. It's heading east. And the reason that the the at this time that that the the top part was East, was because European map makers were were heavily influenced by Christianity. And so what they decided was, the, the most important place on the planet was Jerusalem, where Jesus died. And Jerusalem was to the East. And so what they did was, they oriented all of their maps to the East because they thought that's exactly where the most important place is. That's exactly where we get the word Orient, because the word Orient just means East. So our orientation comes from this word East, where these map makers were making their focus to the East. Their focus was on Jesus. That's how they designed their maps. And so perhaps these map makers from the 1500s were onto something. Because our lives are the same way. If our focus, if our orientation is not on Jesus, then everywhere we go, everything that we do is all worked around and designed by whatever it is that our focus is on. But when we orient ourselves, when we focus ourselves on Jesus then everything falls into place. Then all of our decisions and the way that we navigate our lives happens through the lens of what Jesus says and how we can live our life to the fullest. So the only question for us is, is what is our point of orientation? Paul wrote a letter Uh, to one of his dear friends, a a colleague who helped him, a a younger man who who came along with him and learned from him. And when they were separated, he wrote a couple of letters to this young man named Timothy. And and in one of those letters, this is what he writes. He says, teach those who are rich in this world, because there's a lot of them, you're going to run across them every day. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money. And he tells us why. Which is so unreliable. We know that. Come on, if you have a retirement account, you know that. Right? We watch and listen and things are good and you didn't do anything to make things good and all of a sudden our retirement accounts are sky high and then things go bad. You didn't do anything to make them go bad. It was completely out of your control and your retirement accounts go down. He's saying, listen, that stuff, 2,000 years ago, it was unreliable. We're here 2,000 years later and it's just as unreliable as it was then. And so Paul says, remember, their trust should be in God who richly gives. That phrase, richly gives, means generously gives. He generously gives us all we need for our enjoyment. And then he goes on to this and he says, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. See what he's saying? If the foundation of our life is giving, if the foundation of our life is generosity, that's the only way that we can get to the true life. The life that God wants for you and me. The third thing is this. A lifestyle of generosity, it transforms and grows me, it guides and protects me, but it also blesses and refreshes me. It blesses and refreshes me. I, I, I discovered something, and I, and I think that, that maybe you, you might uh, think that maybe I'm right, but I think that the worst Christmases are the ones where you receive more than you give that the best Christmases, the one that we walk away from Christmas and we, and we feel like this Christmas really had meaning, are the, the Christmases where we give more than we receive. Because it's when we give that gives us that, gives that excitement that we see in the other people person's eyes when, when they're opening up that gift or, or that joy that we have when we find that perfect thing that we know is going to be just perfect for that person that we're buying the gift for. Generosity is fun. Giving things is fun. There's a text, there's a a line in scripture that says that God loves a cheerful giver, but that word cheerful is is really not translated right. It's actually hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver. And you know why people who give like God gives think that it's hilarious? Because other people are looking at them and think that they're losing when in actuality they're winning. And so they find it hilarious. So what does that look like? There's three areas of our lives that we can be generous. First, it's with our talents. God's given us gifts. He's given us experiences. He's given us skills. And we have opportunities to be able to use those skills to benefit and to bless other people. He also gives us treasure. It's money and it's stuff. And, and we, we've talked about that. I'm not going to go into that too much because, listen, the, there's just one thing that, that I want you to keep in mind. God doesn't just want to send things to you. He wants to send things through you. Are you listening to what I'm saying? God puts things in your hands, but he doesn't want to just send them to you. He wants to send them through you, to someone else, to other people. And so our stuff, yes, it's there. And then the third thing is this, is our time. And this is probably the hardest thing for you and me to give of our time. Because time, when you give time to somebody, you're actually giving heart. You're actually opening yourself up to being vulnerable when we share our time. And when we do that, when we make that decision to let our time and our talent and our treasure flow, then we can experience real generosity and have a real impact. Listen to to how Paul says it this way, and this is kind of how we're going to close it out. It says, so two good things happen as a result of your gifts. Two good things happen. Those in need are helped. Yeah, we get that, right? You give somebody something, they need it. Those in need that are are helped. But but look at what else he says. He says, and they will overflow with thanks to you. No. When we give somebody something that they need, they overflow with thanks to God. And he goes on to say that those you help will be glad not only because of your generous gifts, they're, they're grateful for what you've given them, to themselves and to others, but they will praise God for this proof that your deeds as are as good as your doctrine. You see what Paul is saying? He's saying when you are generous, when you live a life of love and generosity, you will finally be walking the walk instead of just talking the talk. Because when it comes to faith... And when it comes to love, and when it comes to to telling people about our love and how much we love them, you and I know this: seeing is believing. Is there are many people who've come across us in our lives and told us they loved us, but they didn't act like they loved us. But there are people who may have never said to you that they loved you, but you don't doubt it for one second because they show you that they love you. That seeing is believing. So whenever we get to this place where we feel like we're tired, we're weary, even those moments when we get hopeless, then maybe the reason that we get to feeling like that is because as the world beats down on us, we don't have an opportunity where we can refresh ourselves. And as last week, Jeffrey talked through the, the, through the book of wisdom This is one of the things that the wisest man on earth wanted to remind us. From his observations, from the way that he looked throughout his kingdom, from the interactions that he had with so many people, not just where he was, but all throughout the known world, he came to this conclusion The generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Have you ever seen a baby laughing? There's, I did not know this, but there's a whole bunch of videos on YouTube of babies laughing. Like you just, you, the, and the things that they laugh at are absolutely ridiculous. Now, when my kids were, were young, th- what I did to make them laugh was I took out my handkerchief because I was an 80-year-old man even when I was young. And so I always carry a handkerchief and I, I would put it up to their face and I'd go, and they just start to laugh. Now, here's the thing. When, when I do something, when an adult does something and offers something to a, to a baby to make them laugh, the baby receives something and is just overflowing and joyful with laughter. And if you've never heard it, you've got to hear it. A baby laughing, just that pure joy of laughter. But listen, when the baby laughs, when the baby laughs, the person who's giving the adult he gives something, the baby receives something, but then in the baby receiving something, the adult gets something back. Right? And it's not because of the behavior. Because I have tried standing in front of the mirror and going, Ooh, and I didn't get it. It wasn't funny to me. See, it's not inherent in the action. Listen to me. It's not inherent in the gift. It's not the thing. It's the act of giving. And in the face of a baby, we can see that when we give, yeah, we give something of ourselves. But in the receiving, we get something back. We get something back. So this is what I want to do as we leave this series, as we end up and wrap this all up. I want to give you something to do that you have to do. All right. There's no, I don't want any of you to say, no, that's not for me. I don't care how long you've been here. If this is your first time here, you're going to say, "Well, that's weird, that guy made me do something. I want you to do it. All of you, those of, us who are, those of you who are watching us online, all of you. It's called the Who, What, How, Now Challenge. Say it with me. Who, What, How, Now Challenge. Who, What, How, Now. Now, this is what I want you to do. I want you to experience generosity this week. So, what you're going to do is you're going to first think who? Who is it that you are going to be generous to? It might be your spouse, it might be a child. Go out of your comfort zone. It might be the checker at Safeway. Right? It might be the guy at Chipotle who never gives you enough avocado. (laughs) Whoever it is, think about who it is. And then think about what. What is it that you're going to do? Is it going to be your time? Is it going to be your talent? Is it going to be your treasure? What part of you are you going to give to be generous with, with that person? And then I want you to decide how. I don't know how that how is going to be. Maybe that how is going to be giving them a phone call and saying, hey, let's meet up and have coffee. Or that how might be, hey, I'm going to come over uh, tomorrow morning and I'm going to mow your lawn. Or that how might be, hey, I just venmo you some money. I know you could use it right now. And then when you've picked who, and you've decided what, and you've figured out how, then do it now. Do it now. Don't wait till later. Don't pick something that's going to take you two weeks to get everything that you need. Do something now. And here's my challenge. This is where it gets tough. I want you to decide. Uh, Don't leave before you decide as you know, we wrap up each one of our series with communion, and so we're going to have an opportunity to do that. But as we we share communion together, I want you to just think about this. Who, what, how now? Who, what, how now? Who is it that you're going to be generous to? What are you going to do? How are you going to deliver it to them? And then do it now. And I'm going to tell you something. If scripture is right, and I believe that it is, when we take that step of refreshing somebody else, It's going to refresh us, too. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.